you all for being here Christmas morning. Take your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. We're in this small series called Advent, and today's message is called His Arrival. His Arrival. We're going to be in verses 1 through 18. We'll be brief this morning. I mean, as brief as God would say, but even though you know, there's 18 verses, we're going to keep it uh, abbreviated this morning, and I want to get you guys, of course, time to be with your loved ones. But I'm going to start reading in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. If you're there in your Bible this morning, say amen. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census was first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished or completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherd. Maybe some of you this morning are like a man I heard of by the name of Jim. Jim was leaving church after Christmas services when his pastor greeted him and said, Jim, it's time that you join the Lord's army. The army of the Lord needs you. Jim, we need to see you every Sunday. And Jim looked at his pastor And he said, I'm already in the army of the Lord, Pastor. And then the pastor asked the question, why do I only see you maybe once or twice a year? And Jim looked to the right and to the left, and he leaned over and whispered in his pastor's ear, I'm in the secret service. (laughs) I just wanted to get that out of the way. I want to address those who... You know, we'll see you next year. I just wanted to tell you we love you. We're glad you're here. And we appreciate your service in the Secret Service. 
<laughs> this morning we're going to, of course, unpack the arguably the greatest event up until that time, of course, ever, and that was the birth of Christ into the world, the incarnation, where God would become a man and dwell among us. And this arrival would change everything. The coming of Christ would change history. It would change eternity for those who place their faith in him. This is the most, uh, of course, important uh, birth that would ever take place. And how many of you guys ever been there when the baby comes and your life changes and you're, you're just your heart is filled with joy from this new life that God has given us? Well, I want you to understand that when Christ was born, this baby would give joy to the world in perpetuation for all of eternity. Because Jesus was born, things will be different. There will no longer be hopelessness. There will no longer be uh, despair that would last throughout our days. There would now be joy replaced with that. Now, we know that when Jesus was born, he came onto a scene in the world that was very dark. You see, the light of the world would shine into darkness. We read that the leader at the time of Jesus' birth was Caesar Augustus. He was born Octavius. He was the nephew of Julius Caesar. Now, this man was a, was a great man. He, of course, won military battles, and he had conquered all of his enemies. And so he had given himself this title of Caesar Augustus. You know what Augustus means? It means exalted. Sacred. He, he wanted people, in essence, to worship him as a god. That title was only given to sacred places or, or, or monuments prior to Caesar Augustus. So you would say that he had a big ego. He demanded absolute power. See, the Roman Empire, for hundreds of years, they prided themselves on not being governed by one man. They were a republic. A nation that was ruled by laws, sound familiar? Not by just one man, and, but Augustus would ascend to become the emperor of Rome, and he ruled with an iron fist, and he didn't, of course, uh, did not take much by the way of, of any resistance, and he did what he had to do to get control over the, sen- the Senate, and, and uh, all those who would have tried to uh, push back on him, he did what, whatever was necessary. It was a dark time. And, of course, for the Jews, it was a very dark time. They hadn't heard from God. They had no revelation for hundreds of years. There was no supernatural uh, acting in or, or, or elements taking place in Jerusalem for some hundreds of years. And now they were under the rule of Rome. They were, this would be like if, if China were to invade America and we would be under their, uh, their rulership. We would be under their laws and we'd have to pay them taxes. And I want you to understand when the light came into the world, it was a time of great darkness. Rome every 14 years would call for a census where it was for tax purposes, it was for military uh, purposes to count how many men were around uh, in the in the empire, and they were required to return to their 
the city of their heritage, their fathers, their lineage. And of course, this is what, of course, uh, David, uh, the, of course, and Mary were under this authority. So the decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And of course, him being the most powerful man in the world at this time, when he spoke, people had to move. And so they made their way to Bethlehem. But I want you to understand, though, even in that, God was in charge. It had been prophesied that Jesus, his son, would be born in Bethlehem. And so God, uh, he, he was involved in even in that. You see, Caesar was on the throne, but God was in charge. And I want to remind somebody of that this morning. It may look like there are evil men in, in control in our nation. There, it may seem like the powers that be are corrupt and they're making these moves and, and they're aligning themselves and, and they're doing all these these things. But I want you to just understand today that God, he was on the throne then when Caesar was on the throne and he, God is in control today as we sit in America right now. You believe that? That's why I have peace. The news doesn't take my peace because they didn't give it to me. And I keep, I keep trying to say that because I know some of you. I love you. Did you see this headline, Pastor? Did you see what's happening? Did you, did you see this? And sometimes I, I say, no, I haven't seen it. Or I've seen it. And I say, well, what has it changed with what I'm called to do? I, I have to wake up tomorrow and, and Seek God and, and, and to lead my family and to help lead this church and to try to win the loss and to try to be faithful to God. Because I know ultimately the day is going to come when that sky is going to open up and that same Jesus who came, as we'll see in a moment, in the most lowly of ways, he's going to come on a white horse with all authority. And he's going to rule and reign. Or he may call me home and I get to go with him. And, and I'm just telling you, I don't, I, I don't allow, you know, the things around me to, to rob my peace. Now, am I, am I going to move to Idaho in some pup tent and not be, you know, involved in what God has called me to do? Absolutely not. Jesus is very clear that the night comes when no man could work and, and to occupy until he comes. Some of you, you just, you, you say, oh, God's in control, so I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Either side of that is wrong. You have to find that balance. But Caesar Augustus, he came, he, he gave the decree. And so that, of course, caused Mary and Joseph to have to make a trek to Bethlehem from Nazareth. Now, this was an 80-mile trek. This was no joke. She was late in her pregnancy. But you remember when Mary said to the angel Gabriel, Behold your maidservant. Be it unto me according to God's word. You know, sometimes God causes us to do things in his will that's very uncomfortable. I live there. I live there. Every time I have to step up here, this is the most, the last thing I ever would have wanted to do in my life is to speak in front of people. And, but when you're in the will of God, he gives grace for it. And I just want to encourage us with that today. Mary and Joseph had to make this long trip, 80 miles which, you know, for us is an hour in the car, right? But not for them. <laughs> it would have been some days. It would have been maybe her on the back of a mule and, 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 you know, having to stop. And it would have been quite 
an event, an ordeal for this pregnant woman to make this trip. But of course, it was all part of God's plan. It was all already prophesied that that's where he'd be born. So as I mentioned before, Jesus, he was born into a world that was desperate. Caesar had gotten on to the level where he had control over Rome and and over the, the known region, but that had come on the back of many, many years of war, hopelessness, corruption, immorality was running rampant during the time that Jesus was born. Um, adulteries. I read one, um, one a commentary who talked about how there was botched, there were abortions taking place because of immorality. This is nothing new under the sun, guys, what we see today. I'm telling you, history just repeats itself. And um, so Jesus comes on the scene. He's going to come on the scene. The light would shine into darkness. And I want to remind us of this truth this Christmas morning, that history is just simply his story. And history is the unrolling of the scroll of prophecy. And it was prophesied that out of the city of bread would come the bread of life. From a specific place, a specific family, David, would come the ruler from everlasting. Micah 5, 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Euphrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Spurgeon said, He who, he who never began to be, but eternally existed, began to be what he eternally was not, and he continued to be what he eternally was. God became flesh. This is why we celebrate. You guys realize this was the condensation of the, the, that, that God would be born as a baby. I don't think we comprehend that. I don't think we have anything in our our frame of reference to compare to what Jesus did. He was Lord of all creation, as we heard our kids sing a moment ago. But he was born. So the light was shining into darkness. But I want you to see the Lord's delivery. The Bible says at the time the days were completed. I love when the Bible says things like this and. I'm the type of person who, my wife hates this, but I'll, I'll, we're wa- if we're watching a, sh- a, sh- a series on TV or something, and I'm able to fast forward to see how it ends, right? I do it. <laughs> I don't tell her. I don't spoil it for her. When I'm reading books, fiction sometimes, and, and I want to know how things end, I, I go to the back of the book and I read the last chapter. And um, I don't know, I just kind of like to know how things end. I don't like surprises. I remember my wife for my 30th birthday, she she planned this whole big surprise birthday party, and I hated every moment of it. I tried to hide it. She could tell I wasn't happy. But I want you to understand, this was no surprise to God. He had a divine calendar. The Bible talks about in Galatians that when the fullness of time would come, God sent forth his son. Born of a virgin, born of a a woman. You remember when he prophesied in the garden 
when Adam and Eve fell and he told the serpent that the seed of a woman, typically, of course, all other babies were born from the seed of a father, right? But, of course, Jesus, being virgin conceived, he came from the seed of a woman. He came from Mary. And God prophesied that Satan would, would, would bruise his heel, but that that seed, our Lord Jesus, would crush his head. A fatal wound would be given to our enemy. And this was all prophesied. So the days were completed for her to give birth to her firstborn son. And I find this to be telling. The most amazing event that ever took place took place in a lowly cave for animals. I want you to see when she was ready to give birth, there was no room for them. Why? Because of the census. The, everything had been booked. Everything had been packed. Uh, every other uh, hotel or lodging place was full. There, the Bible talks about, in verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You see, he came into the world that had no room for him. We live in a day where there still isn't room for Christ in most people's hearts. Still, most people reject him. Still, our our world mocks him. I was just looking at another famous YouTuber who was mocking Jesus. And you never hear of people mocking Muhammad or, or Allah. You don't you don't hear of the mocking and the parodies and you don't hear of those names being used as curse words. I'm telling you because there's something different about this Jesus. He truly is God. And that spirit of Antichrist in the world uh, is evident. It's, it's, it's revealing himself even more as we speak. But I want you to see there was no room for him. And again, so she, he was born in a stable. It was more than likely it was a, a cave, damp, dark, dirty, where animals would be kept out of, you know, a shelter for animals when it would rain and and then he was laid in a manger. This was more than likely not what we see in the nativity scenes around us. It was more than likely just stone, uh, a stone enclosure that had been hewn out. And he was laid in there, maybe some hay in there. But the Bible says that they wrapped him in these, these cloths, these swaddling cloths. And there were small strips of clothing. But these were the same types of strips that were used when you would wrap someone for their burial. This is a picture. This baby was born to die. He was born to die for us. He was the Lamb of God. That's why he was there in the stable. The picture is there. It's beautiful. And the Lord's delivery was nothing to be uh, spoken of. It was quite a scene. And, you know, sometimes we try to, we try to, we try to, how can I say it? We try to. Make Christmas out to be this this sentimental thing, but it really was something that was was tough. It was difficult labor. All you women in here say, "Amen." <laughs> Pain, poverty, suffering, born to die. You see, 
This was not some glamour scene. This was not something that we should try to, uh, to, to cover up and make it look pretty so we feel comfortable. Oftentimes the will of God is grimy. It's warfare. It, it's, it's painful. And I'm telling you, but from that, from that time of suffering, from, uh, this willing servant Mary and, and of course the Savior's, of course, willingness to, to be born and to, to die in our place, from that time of struggle and suffering, will come life, will come joy. I'm thankful. I'm, the greatest lessons in my life have always come from pain. It's never come from pleasure. You know why this generation is so weak? We've, we've, we've been pleasured out. We, we have it so easy. Conveniences, modern conveniences have made us weak, has made us complacent, we, we don't want to fight battles. We want it easy, right? But I want you to see this picture. I was thinking of this this week, how the birth of Christ was, was, it was tough. It came on the back of a long, arduous journey, 80 miles. And then she's in labor, having contractions. They can't imagine Joseph. This is God's son. Imagine the stress he was under. I can't find somewhere to have my wife have this child. I'm, I mean, could you imagine the stress? These young, maybe 20-somethings. This is the Christmas. This is what God did for us. And I want you to just get that picture. The Lord's delivery. She brought forth her firstborn son. And I love how Luke, he just, he, he, he just calmly says that. He doesn't spend a whole chapter, you know, you know, just getting into all the intricacies of it. But it was the greatest event ever, and he just calmly stated it. That God was born in a world that there was no room for him. I was reminded of this. The material man has no room for him. You see, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? And you and I know people who are too busy getting more, pursuing more power, more money, more influence. But what does that matter if you lose your soul? The intellectual man has no room for him. They believe what I'm doing right now is foolishness. The preaching of Christ and the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to them which are saved it is the power of God. The religious man has no room for him. You say, what, pastor? The religious man has no room for him. You and I both know people who they believe that they're going to be justified because they go to church or they're going to be justified because they were baptized or because they belong to this group or because they knocked on this many doors. You and I know religious people who have have in their minds believe a a fallacy that if I do this, then God will be pleased with me. They don't humble themselves. People who, of course, crucified our Savior were religious. They had no room for him. They could not see who he was truthfully, even though he was right before them. I just want to encourage us. Let's make sure that there is always room for Jesus in our lives. Make sure that he's preeminent in our lives. He's front and center in everything that we do. Jesus above everything. 
his arrival, the light shone in darkness. Then we see his delivery. He was born in, in a way that we would have never chosen for him to be born, but God was making a statement. I want to see lastly this morning, the Lord, he's the Lord of the desperate. As I mentioned before, Rome and, and, and Israel and the world was in turmoil when Jesus was born. And God, of course, knew this, and he was very intentional in who he brought in on this good news first. I want you to see it. The angelic announcement that came to shepherds, verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. I want you to understand this. This is significant because... Shepherds were viewed as outcasts. They were the lowliest of the low in Israel. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. It kept them from the temple for weeks. They could not be made clean because they couldn't go to the temple and go through the process. Uh, they were not rich. They were often gruff and tough men. Remind me of like a Derek. <laughs> He's a tough man. I love you, Derek, but he has a tender heart. These were men's men. They, they, they were out at night. They worked long, arduous hours. They fought off beasts, uh, uh, but they were often viewed as crude men. They, they were probably like some of those construction workers you work with who, 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 you know, trade the, the dirty jokes and other things. But these shepherds, they would have been, like I said, the outcasts of their day. But God would bring the message to them first. The angel appeared unto them. And I want you to see their first response was fear. Look, verse number nine. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Oh, I heard I've heard many people say, when I see God, I'm going to I'm going to tell him a few things. No, my friend, you're going to fall to your face. This is just an angel. You're going to feel the power. You're going to see the glory <laughs> and it's going to put fear in you like you have not experienced before and this is what happened to these hardened shepherds these tough men they were terrified when the angel appeared and so the angel of course as often in scripture he had to to comfort them and say hey, do not be afraid do not be afraid but i want you to see what he did say to them he said i bring good news that would be great that would bring great joy to the world, to all people. You guys hear that? To all people. It was a prophecy in that angel's words. Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. Aren't you thankful? <laughs> he said to all people. Oh, I'm thankful today that I get to preach a gospel that's for all people, not for a few select uh, chosen people like a lot of uh, people like to teach. No, I get to preach a gospel that's for all people. The angel says this to them, it will bring great joy. And he explains the way that that joy has been brought to them. It was through the baby, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Our greatest need was that for a Savior. Mankind, even pagans, Understand, there's something wrong with us. 
that cannot be solved by money, by government, by any other means apart from Jesus, the Savior. You see, if our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Amen. A savior. He's a savior. He's also Christ the Lord. Emmanuel, God with us. This is hard to wrap my brain around. See, Moses asked just to see God's face. God said, I can't let you do that. You die instantly. But I'll let you see me as I'm walking away. Remember Uzzah, when David wanted the Ark of the Covenant brought back to Jerusalem, and they brought it on that new cart, and it shook, and he reached out his hand to touch the Ark of the Covenant, and he died instantly because of the holiness of our God. The high priest in Israel would go into the holies of holies once a year to offer sacrifice for the nation. But they'd always tie a rope around his ankle because the threat of instantaneous death was always there in the presence of the holy God of heaven. And I want you to get this. God became a man. Mary held God in her arms. Rocked the literal God of the universe to sleep. I want you to get this this morning. This is the the wonder and the, the, the greatness of Christmas is that God was with us. All before that, God had to keep his distance because of our unrighteousness and his holiness. But now God would be among us. He would walk with us. He would die for us and make us to to be accepted into the beloved. And I want you to just get this. It is the greatest gift of all time. Emmanuel. Brings me joy. Every time I feel his presence, every time he speaks to me, every time I worship his name, he brings me great joy because he's he's accepting a a filthy sinner like me. Oh, I don't know about you, but I haven't I haven't forgotten what Jesus had to do to save me, to redeem me, to give me that eternal life that he promised. And I'm telling you, we must never get over the fact that Emmanuel God was with us. This angel brought this great news, but he wasn't alone. As he announced to them, the Bible says a multitude of the heavenly hosts began to praise God. You see, the angels, they knew who he was. (laughs) And this angel host began to worship him, began to sing his praises the angels, they, they don't quite comprehend. They could not, they had to, I believe some of them had to see it for themselves that their, their Lord born as a human. This is what took place that first day. They, they, 
begin to sing a song. And I want you to just think about the contents of their song. Look at verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Glory to God. God's glory is on display in the riches of his mercy and grace that we have seen in Christ in his appearance. And then he says, on earth, peace. That's what this world still needs to this day is peace. But we always say it here. Peace is found in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know him, you know peace. No Christ, no peace. And I want to encourage you this, uh, this Christmas and throughout your life, uh, if you feel like your peace is waning, if you feel like you're losing peace and you have anxiety replacing it and, and, you know, and all of the other things that the world is going to try to do to, to crowd out his peace, I want to tell you to look to Jesus again. Give everything to Jesus. Like Pastor showed yesterday, if you saw that illustration, how if we put, if we give him our burdens, if we take on his yoke, it's light. If we try to carry it on our own, it's going to just wear us down and want to give us, uh, you know, ought to, to give up. But I want to encourage us, remember, he has come to bring us peace and then goodwill towards men. God took the step first. You guys know why you love him? Because he loved you first. It's not because any of us were seeking him. It's because he took that first initiative. So the shepherds get this news, the greatest news that anyone could ever hear. And their response was to go and see. Go and see. They said, let us go now. Uh, There's a sense of urgency. (laughs) They didn't hesitate. They didn't say, wait, we got to watch these sheep. No, they, they left what they were doing and they went to see this thing, this, this uh, truth, this amazing truth that God sent his son into the world tonight. And the angels gave him a specific sign. They said, you'd find this baby laying in a manger. Now, it wasn't unusual for them to find a child who was wrapped in, in, in swaddling clothes, or that was normal. But it was unusual to find a baby in a manger where animals lay. So the angel gave them very specific details so that they knew this is the one. This is the Christ. This is the one that we sing about. And so they went, and of course they, they saw it as it were, as the angel had said to them, and uh, I was thinking about this, how the angel disappeared shortly after speaking to the shepherds. But Jesus, he remained. I don't think the shepherds went just one time. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they made another few rounds. But to see this baby, to see our Lord. But I want you to see the shepherds' response after seeing with their own eyes the fulfillment of God's promise, they went and saw, but then they, they went to tell others. And I would be remiss not to encourage us to be intentional, to go and tell others about our Savior. Look at verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They told people far and wide. Let me ask you, are you telling people far and wide that the Savior is coming back? And that they need to receive him as Savior? And we we should be on our job. Do you guys understand that? If we don't tell the world, if, if we aren't sharing the gospel, the good news, then who will? And this is the highest calling of a, of a life. And I'm telling you guys, if, if we had that heartbeat for evangelism, if we were like these shepherds and we went and told people far and wide, yeah, not all will believe on him, but many would. And I want to encourage us to do so because he's everything that we could ever need. I read this quote this week, and I just want to share it with you, and I'm done. If you are disappointed, he is wonderful. If you are confused, he is counselor. If you are weak, he is the mighty God. If you are scared, he is the everlasting father. If you are worried, he is the prince of peace. He is everything we could ever need. And I want to encourage us, let's be intentional to share him with as many as God would allow us to. Let's be intentional to serve him and to honor him with our lives because he He stooped down to the lowliest of lows for you and for me. He died in our place. So how fitting should it be that we should live for him? And I want to encourage us this Christmas morning, the greatest gift that you can give to him is not silver, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The greatest gift you can give to him is your life, is your, is your allegiance, is, is your, uh, your faithfulness to him. And may your life be the gift that he is able to unwrap all the days of our lives. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus today, you can call out to him. You can receive him as your Lord and Savior. It's so simple. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's by simple faith that you are able to receive Christ as your Savior. Amen.